good to be together in the presence of the Lord on a on a Wednesday night. How many of you have sensed the presence of the Lord? Amen. It is so good to be here. I was I was calculating in my mind. It's been nine months uh, since we had a transition. Uh, you know, I look around here. Man, this platform looks great. Uh, you know, I wanted to do this three years ago. But when I came in and saw this uh, a few weeks ago, you know, I remember I had a young pastor say to me uh, that has screen like that. He said, Pastor, I'm just, just trying to reach my generation. And you know, uh, sometimes people in my generation don't understand things, just like folks in the generation that preceded me didn't understand me when, when I was uh, pastoring and doing things a little bit different. Uh, you know, I had my time. Some of you that are my age, we had our time where, where it was all like we liked it. I hope you like this. But there's a generation alive on the face of the earth right now that desperately needs a move of God. Things like this, these are, these are props. They're, they're hooks that we draw people and try to reach people. But I, uh, I'm just so grateful for God's blessing. I have people ask me all the time, uh, how do you feel when you go to church there? And I have people say, do you feel sad? Do you miss it? Do you feel out of place? Do you feel odd? And I always tell them the overriding feeling I feel is uh, gratefulness. Every time I come in here, I'm, my heart is so grateful to God for how he's moving and what he's, what he's doing. And I, uh, I want to honor my pastor, who's also my son. Uh, amen. I hope you love him. Uh, I marvel at uh, the hand of God that is upon he and Damaris and uh, what the Lord is doing with them in these days. And I'm, uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, he's going to let me come preach. Uh, is it June? Right now it's June, so it's the end of this month. I think on a Sunday morning. So I'll save some of my thoughts for that day. But I love the presence of the Lord. And... You know, I've been uh, been in a new world over the last uh, nine months. We've been in the process of building uh, a ministry that is going to allow us to help churches all over Ohio. And in the process of uh, of learning and in the process of being trained in certain areas, uh, one of the strategies of the uh, process that we're going to take with churches was this phrase that says, all by itself. And the concept was that when you do something that is in the word of God or you do something that is uh, rooted in God's holy scripture, you don't have to make it work. You don't have to try to manipulate it to work. It has a life of its own and it will work all by itself. So somebody say amen. And so... When Pastor Michael asked me to speak tonight, it's, you know, it's amazing that times that uh, I'm invited to speak, and I think this is probably true with most, uh, most people who preach or teach, that it's what God is moving in, in your heart at the time or the season that, that seems to want to come out. I said to my wife, you know, what can I say to these folks that, that I preached to for 29 years 
that they've not heard me talk about. But I, I, I have found a new thrill after all these years of walking with the Lord about his word. And I want you to understand something. The days that we're living in and the things that are coming on the face of the earth, you're going to need the word of God more than you ever have in your life. You're going to need to know what it says. You're going to need to know how it operates in your life. And I want to share that with you. Now, look, I know you stood up and sat down uh, two times already. I'm going to ask you one more time to stand. You know, when I did that a while ago, I hurt in several places. And I asked my wife, what have we done lately that I'm so sore? And maybe it's just you got out of bed. I, I don't know. But uh, I want you to pray with me. I, I ask uh, your pastor, I said, I, I don't know if the teacher, the preacher is going to come on me. Uh, even to this day I, and this time, I, you never know. But I want to I communicate truth to you. And my prayer is that the word of God and the spirit of God will open up our understanding and let us grasp it to the point that we apply it to how we live every day. Let's pray together and invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and show us truth. Father, how grateful and thankful we are for your amazing grace. We thank you for your love that never ends. We thank you, Lord, that you saved us. We've worshiped and sang about it even tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your amazing love was manifest in us. And Father, as we still ourselves now in your presence with people of like faith and look into your holy word, I ask you, Father, to give us understanding, open our ability to comprehend. And Father, let us hear it and get it, not just in the natural, but Lord, let us obtain it and, and bring it close in the spirit that we might walk in it, that might be meat to us. And Lord, we pray these things as we surrender and yield ourselves to you. And we do that in the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ. And everybody in the room shouted amen. Before you're seated, tell somebody, the word works by itself. And then you can be seated if you'd like. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark the fourth chapter. Mark chapter four. And you know, so Becky gets to come a lot. I get to come as I'm able. I think I'm gonna be able this Sunday. But again, it is always so good to be here. I, you know, listen, the praise and worship that you have here all the time, the presence of God here is not every place. And so it's kind of like an oasis when, uh, when you get to come and experience it. Mark chapter four, if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna start reading in verse 26. And he said, speaking of Christ, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now I want you to ponder that. The kingdom of God, he's helping us to understand the kingdom of God. It is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. I like this. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. 
Everybody say by itself. He's teaching us about the kingdom of God. Everybody say by itself. The earth yields. And now the context of the whole thing in Mark chapter four is the word of God. And it works and yields by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, I want you to know personally, this, this chapter changed my life. This chapter taught me things about God that for the last many years that I've served him has ministered to me and given me direction. And I, I want you to get this tonight. You know, I, it's, it's amazing how quick time goes by. And, and so back in 1977, I got saved. And so that's been 45, 46 years or so. And from that time on, I began to study this book. And what I began to discover in my, in my walk with God and, and as I intensified the study of Scripture, I found out, as, as the Bible says in so many ways, and specifically in Luke 4, 4, man does not live by bread alone, but by what? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, if the Bible's teaching me that this is my source of life and this is how I live, then I need to make the word of God a priority in my life, not just on Sunday, but a priority in my, in my lifestyle. And so in this chapter, the chapter begins by Jesus teaching a multitude by the sea. And he's teaching them about a sower who was sowing seed into different kinds of soil and how it produced. Now, that's what happened in the morning service. Now, later on, the Bible said in verse 10, when they were alone. Now, they've come away from the big crowd, and now it's just those closest to Jesus. And they begin to inquire of him about what he taught that morning. And they begin to ask him to explain and elaborate on the sower and the seed. And Jesus begins to break it down for them. And I, I want you to walk with me through these verses as to what he said. He first identifies the seed. Now, the Bible said in Mark 4, 14, the sower sows the word. In Luke's account, in Luke 8, 11, he said the seed is the word of God. So the entire teaching that we find in Mark chapter four is about the word of God. And this is what it talks about, how the word of God works by itself. I don't have to make it work. As a matter of fact, I can't make it work. It's already alive. The only thing that I have to decide is what kind of soil I'm gonna be. The only thing I have to decide is how am I gonna receive the word of God? Because I can't make it have more life than what it already has. I can't make it more productive. It's already productive. I have to decide what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do with it. So here's what I, I find in, in the scripture. 
In John 1 and 1, the Bible said in the beginning was the word talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And then in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus. And then in Luke 4, 4, again, the revelation comes that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Psalm 138 and 2 said, your word have you magnified above all your name. What, is, what a statement. What a profound statement. So the seed is the word of God. The word of God is the source book for living. Did you know that? The word of God teaches us how to live. It teaches us how to behave. It teaches us how to speak. It teaches us how to have relationships. The word of God is the source book for living. It is a revealed body of truth. The Bible calls it the sword of the spirit. It is his book. He authored the book. He wrote the book. It is the standard of doctrine and it is the median of experience. I don't need to have a doctrine that is not rooted in the holy book. I don't need to have an experience that is not found in the holy Bible. Come on, somebody and say amen. So the word of God is central. It is, it is the, at the root of our, of our faith. Now we need to understand something about the seed. Genesis chapter one, verse 11 God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit, listen, according to its kind, he said. And whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. So now there's some things there in that verse of scripture when God is creating that we learn about the seed. The seed, according to the scripture, is the word of God. That's in our faith, the seed is the word of God where Jesus is teaching in Mark chapter four. So what do we learn? Number one, the seed reproduces after its own kind. In other words, if, if you're taking a watermelon seed, what's gonna come up? Watermelon, because God set a law into place that the seed reproduces after its own kind. If it's apple seeds, you're gonna get an apple tree, right? If it's a man and woman, what kind of seed are you going to get? You're going to get a seed like the man and the woman. That is, you're not going to have a chihuahua puppy. Because God spoke a law into existence that said the seed reproduces after its own kind. And now Jesus in the New Testament in Mark chapter 4 while he was by the seaside teaching and now as he breaks it down for his staff, he begins to say to them that the seed is the word of God. And the law that God declared is that the seed, I feel the good Holy Ghost just now, the seed reproduces after its own kind. Now when Becky and I got married, I'd been preaching about a year. And back in those days, I, I read in the Bible in James chapter three and verse one where the Bible said the teacher has greater condemnation or the didaskalos was the Greek word, has greater condemnation. So in other words, if somebody violates the word of God, that person's got a problem. But if somebody teaches people to violate the word of God, they have a bigger problem. 
And I remember reading that and I thought, boy, I don't ever want to be guilty of that. And so I thought I've got to, the only way I can keep from doing that for sure is to preach the Bible. And so I set out on this lifelong journey of memorizing scripture. And I don't know how my wife put up with it in those years, but nearly every night late, I would get in my car with a tape player that I had recorded scripture on and I would drive. I would drive, I'd hit play and I'd listen to it and I'd hit reverse and play again. And I would do that for hours in the night, night after night after night. I can remember walking in a basement quoting scripture because I was hiding the word of God in my heart. And once the word of God got in my heart, I began to understand this principle. The seed reproduces after its own kind. So what I found out, whatever I needed, that's what kind of, see, listen, if you want an apple tree, plant apple seeds. If you want corn, plant corn. If you need peace, plant that seed in your life because you don't have to make it work. It works by itself. I've just got to keep the atmosphere conducive so I can remember times I was troubled in my mind and I would write down scripture, seed about peace. So I can remember driving along and two or three, four times a day when I was going about my day, I had index cards. I had places where I wrote down things like Philippians four and six. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. I don't have to make that true. I don't have to make that true in my life. I don't have to because it's already got life. It's already doing it by itself. All I've got to do is plant it and have an environment in my life where the word of God can grow. I remember reading and writing down and you read John 14, 27 that said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give I unto you, so let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I read about how my peace, my peace, the chastisement of my peace in Isaiah 53 was upon him and I would read these five or six scripture day after day three or four or five times a day then all of a sudden one day you're driving down the road and you don't have to look at the index card anymore because you know that he said the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ and then you're meditating on it you're speaking it to yourself you what are you doing you're planting it in your life and keeping the atmosphere conducive to growth and then all of a sudden one day, you're driving down the road and it dawns on you, that anxiety is gone. All of that worry and fear, they're gone because the seed has fruited, brought fruit and sprouted in your life. Not because you're anything special, not because that you made it work, but because you just provided an environment where the seed could grow because it's going to work all by itself. And so I begin to understand this, this principle. What do you need in your life? What do you need in your life? We spend so much time telling everybody else what we need. Telling everybody else what we'd love to have happen. And the whole time, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. It is seed and seed must be planted because it works by itself. And so that's one of the first things we learn in the book of beginnings in, in Genesis chapter one, verse 11. 
And then the second thing we learn is that the seed is in, its, is in itself on the earth. The seed is in itself on the earth. We're meant to understand that the plants and trees produced in themselves their own seeds. Built into, remember the seed is the word of God. Built into the seed is the ability to reproduce. And according to its own kind. So in other words, God's decree was that each kind of plant and tree would bear the seed of the next generation of that specific kind of plant and tree. So the seed that works all by itself is in itself upon the earth. That's why it's indestructible. That's why you can't kill it. The devil has tried, man has tried to, Jeremiah chapter 36, Jehoiakim the king, somebody brought him the scroll of, of, of what Jeremiah had written and prophesied. And the Bible said the king had it read in his hearing and he didn't like what it said. So the Bible said he took a pen knife and he cut it up and he threw it in the fire. But then the Bible records that the prophet Jeremiah was hit out with the scribe Barak and that God began to give to him again all of the things that were in the scroll and this time he added to it. What I've got to understand about the word of God, there's times I may not feel it like I feel it on Sunday morning. There's times I may not feel it like I do when all of God's people have come together and we're worshiping. But one thing never changes and it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what the circumstance are around me. The seed is in itself upon the earth and the word of God is indestructible. Somebody say amen if you believe it. Matthew 24 and verse 35, Jesus said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall, everybody say never. My word shall never pass away. I look in the book in Psalm 119.89, the psalmist said forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. In Isaiah 40 and 8, he said, the flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. In 2 Timothy 2, 9, the word of God is not bound. In John 10, 35, the scripture is not broken. This is what he gave to us. This is what lights our path and illuminates our way. And as a child of God, I've got to hear the Lord saying that it works all by itself. Now, if, if, if I come to understand that, and I realize that holy, divine, eternal truth works by itself, there's nothing I'm gonna do to make it any greater than it already is. There's nothing I'm gonna do to diminish the greatness of what it is. But what I've got to answer is what kind of soil am I going to be? Because if the seed that works all by itself, I don't understand how that works. But it works all by itself. So the question I have to answer is not, is the word of God alive? Does the word of God work by itself? But the question I've got to answer is, what am I going to do with the word of God? I want you to listen to what Jesus taught. He starts, he moves from the seed to the soil. 
And this is what he said when he's breaking this down for his staff, those closest to him. And you and I have to decide what soil are we going to be. And watch what he said. He begins with the wayside. Verse 15, one thing all of these soils had in common is that they heard the word. Every one of them heard the word. He said, the word is sown. And when they hear, this is wayside. When they hear, Satan comes immediately. When is Satan coming? He's coming immediately. Oftentimes before the sermon is over. Oftentimes before you get out of the sanctuary. Oftentimes before you get home. Satan comes immediately and takes away the seed that was sown in their heart. Now he's gonna talk about four different kinds of soil. I'm of the belief that we've got to learn to overcome these first three if we're gonna be good soil. Wayside, you know what that means? That means when, when, when I'm in the presence of the word of God, I need to give my full attention to the word of God, whether somebody's preaching, teaching, or whether I'm reading it in a Bible study. Because Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their heart. Now that's, in a practical sense, that's somebody that it goes in one ear and out the other. Without any, you know what I found out when I first started preaching? When I first started pastoring? You know, somebody would come by you know, on a Monday or Tuesday, pastor, man, that's great preaching on Sunday. Well, what stood out most to you? And a lot of people, what they're trying to say is it felt good. I felt something. It went in one ear and out the other. And so there's no fruit. There's people that have sat in church for years in the presence of the word of God that has never really grown much or had the word grow in them because they're wayside. In one ear, out the other. They sit in church and they read magazines or they sit in church and they text their, these days, they text their friends or they sit in church and daydream about what they're gonna do later. And then they wonder why they're coming through prayer lines every week because they're struggling and they're defeated all the time. See, this is good. <laughs> you complain to him like you did me for 29 years. <laughs> don't, don't send it to me, send it to him. There is, a, there is a bit of liberty in this experience, I can tell you that. But don't you understand? And people are oblivious. You and I are living in a world where people are oblivious to the word of God. You know, I, I saw where there was some person that wrote a, a column in the New York Times just going and, and trashing prayer when we have these, these horrible things like happened in Texas this past week. And it's like that person got no idea what they're talking about. I've heard people saying, well, where's God? Where's God when all this happens? Let me tell you where God is. God, because man sinned, God gave authority in the earth to men. Now there's coming a time he's about to take it back in the structure of our world. There's coming a moment when he's gonna come back and restore. 
But God gave authority unto men. And so what we've got in the world today is what men have created. And what men decided to do was eject God from our culture. We injected him a long time ago from our school systems. We eject him from workplace. We eject him just about from every facet of society and then turn around and shake our fist at God and wonder where he's at. Well, it just felt good to talk about that for a minute. But people are oblivious to the word because they're wayside. It went in one ear and out the other. Verse 16. And likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, everybody, they all hear it. Immediately, they receive it with gladness. I mean, they're sitting right there in church saying, hallelujah, amen. They're receiving the word and they are glad about it. And they have no root in themselves, he said. And so endure only for a time. Only for, how many people do you know in your life that received the word of gladness but they didn't have any root and they endured only for a time? They disappeared. At stony ground. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So they hear, stony ground people hear the word and receive it with gladness. And, but they have no root in themselves. Now one expositor said this, the words that are used here is spoken of one who has had a superficial experience of divine truth, but has not permitted it to make its way into the inmost recesses of his soul. It's somebody that had some kind of surface encounter with God, but not enough to affect how they live. And there's a lot of folks like that. A lot of people go to church. A whole lot more people don't go to church, but there's a lot of people who go to church whose who's living has no reflection of truth. They receive the word with gladness, with joy, but there's no root in themselves. And after, because there's no root, because there's no root. People come to church and have some kind of, of surface experience and they kind of like it. And so they start going to church. They start saying, I'm a Christian. But afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises, tribulation is the Greek word ellipsis. It means pressure, distress, oppression. They've had an experience, but it's not Rooted. It's not life-changing. It's not in the depth. And then suddenly pressure, the pressure of living comes. Oppression comes. Difficulties come. And, and, and he said persecution, diagamos, hostility, or someone treating you in an ill way. Those two things come in tandem. And the Bible said, Jesus said they arise. This is interesting. They come into existence is what the Greek word means. They come into existence or they begin to become. These things that some of you face, they came into existence because of the word's sake. They came into existence 
because there was seed that works all by itself that was deposited into your spirit that is going to produce something glorious, something mighty in your life. And it's a lot easier to get the seed than to get the stump dug out of the ground. Has anybody ever tried to get a stump hump? I thought it just a matter of digging around a little bit and popping it with something little and just popping it right up out of there and you come to find out there's more tree under the ground than there is above the ground. And so why is it the devil will come at you to get the word out of your life while it's just planted as a seed before it begins to spread out and take root in your life? Because it's easier to get the seed than the tree. And then he said immediately, they are offended. They trip a trap. And when you trip the trap and get offended, you are caught in the trap. You become paralyzed in your faith. And the word also means to cause to distrust and desert. So this is what happens to people. They hear the word of God and they're happy about it. But it doesn't really get down deep inside of them. Pressure, persecution, tough times come to them. And immediately they're offended because a lot of people believe and too many people preach that if you put your faith in Christ, you're never going to have any trouble. <laughs> Don't ever believe that. That's not, that's not Bible. Then he goes to a third soil. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. Everybody hears the word. And watch what he says here. The cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So I've got to learn how, number one, not to be wayside. When I receive the word of God, I've got to guard it and keep it in my life. I don't have to make it work. It'll work by itself. But I've got to get past wayside. I've got to get past stony ground. I've got to let the word of God permeate me until it changes who I am. So that when persecution and pressure and trouble comes, I'm not going to give it up. Because I don't have to make it work. It'll work all by itself. i just got to keep the atmosphere conducive to growth. And if I get to that third place and I've learned how to hear the word, be happy about it and receive it, this, this is what happens to a lot of good Christian people who's been in church a long time. The cares of this life, it's the Greek word merimnot, means anxiety, worry, fear of this life. You know, I found out when I was a young preacher and I've observed it from that day forward that there's a lot of people that would look askant at, at the drunkard but they don't feel a whole lot wrong with them worrying every day. Both are wrong. Because the cares of life, listen to me. Again, he's sitting right down here. You know his email. This is truth. You can say, well, mama was a worrier 
And grandmama was a worrier and it runs in the family. Well, my Bible said a thousand will fall at my side and 10,000 in my right hand, but it will never come near me. And so what, what, what does the cares of, this? listen, this is serious. What does worry and anxiety and fear do to you? Well, according to Jesus, it chokes the word of God in your life. The deceitfulness of riches, the delusion of wealth and money, the word means and an abundance of stuff. Now, in the days that we're living, there's been an entire doctrine built on all that. And here Jesus warns about the delusion of wealth. And you don't have to be wealthy to be delusional about money. Because a lot of people will take that money that they need to buy bread and go buy a lottery ticket thinking, if I can hit the lottery, all my troubles are over. Well, that's delusional. And the deceit of riches will enter in and choke the word of God. Amen? Just telling you what he said. It still works all by itself. I've got to be the kind of soil that it can work in. And then he talked about, this is fascinating to me, he talked about the lust for other things, the epithemia, which means a longing for what is forbidden, the lust for other things. And that word means the rest or that that remains or the residue. He talked about worry. He talked about the deceit of riches. And now he says anything else, everything else that you lust over, that will enter into your life, will choke the word of God. And I've been in and around church the biggest part of my life. And I remember when I was younger, I would wonder why is it that some people are just so blessed of God? And why is it this person over here just doesn't seem to have any fruit? of the working of God in their life and all in between. When the word works all by itself, I have to answer the question, what kind of soil am I? Because I can learn how to get past wayside and I can learn how to get past stony ground and I can find me a place in the church, but if the cares of life, the deceit of riches or the lust for anything else enters in, it comes in, it goes in. One expositor said it's like food entering the mouth. Then it strangles completely is what the word means Jesus used. It suffocates. It crowds out the seed that works all by itself. I've got to learn how to get past that. Listen, if you're a worrier, Go to the Bible and get you about six or eight scripture about peace and peace of mind because it will reproduce after its own kind. And you meditate on that and hide it in your heart. That's how you're going to, that's how you're going to overcome the cares of life. The deceitfulness of riches, go into your Bible and find out about possessions. Find out about being a giver. Find out about balance. There's so many scripture. Go and hide those in your heart before too long. It'll start bearing fruit. You're not going to have that struggle anymore. You know why? 
because it works all by itself because it has life. If your struggle is lust and longing and desire, go to the word of God and plant scripture to where fruit will come and that's not part of your behavior or thoughts anymore. Because if you can learn how to overcome those three things, verse 20, these are the ones sown on good ground. Everybody say good ground. Now this is not complicated. What I've got to learn how to do is not be wayside, not be stony ground, not be thorny ground and get to this place. These are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word. Now this is an interesting word. It means not deaf. To learn by hearing, to consider what's been said. This is more than just listening to something. If I want to be good ground, I've got to learn how to hear. I got to learn how to consider. I got to learn how to appropriate something to how I live and accept it. They hear it and they accept it. The word here means to take upon oneself, to admit and delight in, to not reject. Listen, any of us, there's times you've been in church and you've listened to preacher preach and you didn't like what they were preaching. Yeah, matter of fact, you might be like that tonight. We all have those things when something gets close to us and we're not sure if we like that or not. But I have to decide if God said it, if it's in the book, if it's in the word, then I have to be sure to admit it into my life, to consider what it said and not reject it. And they bear fruit. That's simple. All I got to do is keep the seed, which is the word of God, planted in my life, and I got to keep the atmosphere conducive for that seed to grow. I don't have to make it grow. I don't have to manipulate it to grow. It will just produce. And he said, good ground soil brings forth fruit to be fruitful, to be fertile. 30 60 and 100 fold. Do you know one of the fascinating things I find about that? The same soil produced 30 that produced 100. It was all good ground. And so the objective is not for me to get 100 times. I've heard people preach that. I want 100 times Blessing. No, I want the word of God to manifest 100% of its potential in my life. If I'm trying to plant the word of God in my heart to help me love people, then I want to believe God that I'm going to be the most loving person I've ever known. That I just want to love people. Does, does that make sense to you? And it's, it's the same soil, but it's how we conduct and keep the environment. I don't have to make it work. It works. I just have to keep the atmosphere conducive to growth. You got a problem in your 
marriage? What, pray tell, would happen if you and your husband or you and your wife went and planted what the Bible said about marriage? You got it written out and you just started planting that in your heart every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. He's reading, love her like Christ loved the church. He's reading that every day, several times a day. Love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Until suddenly it got in his heart and you don't have to go pick up a card or a piece of paper to read it because it's planted in his heart. Now he's driving down the road and he gets to thinking this is God's word who created marriage telling me to love my wife like Christ. And then you start thinking, the spirit of God helps you break it down. You start thinking about how did Christ love the church? He died for the church. He was willing to die for his church. And all of a sudden you start thinking, that's how God, that's how God is calling me to love my wife. And then you start embracing that. You start believing that. And then all of a sudden the next time he wants to call her some horrible name or to demean or disrespect her, there's something inside of him that won't let him do that. What's happened? It's harvest time. Fruit has abounded. And now all of a sudden that same person that used to be mean, harsh, cruel, and brutal is now loving his wife like Christ loved the church. Why? Because it works all by itself. You just have to get it planted. Now watch this. I like that clock back up there, by the way. So he went from the seed to the soil and now he starts talking about this showing, this thing that's gonna be manifest. He said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? How many of you know the answer to that question? You don't bring the lamp out to put it under the bed. It's to be put on a lampstand where people can see. For there's nothing hidden which shall not be revealed nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. Man, what a powerful statement. If anyone has ears to hear, Jesus, and this whole thing's about the sower and the seed. If anybody has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hears, more will be given. For whoever has... To him more will be given, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. It's a powerful statement. So he talks about the lamp, under the bed or on a lampstand? What's on a lampstand? And he gives this promise, there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. Nor has anything been kept secret that will not come to light. So he talks about hidden secrets. Nothing hidden, the word means concealed. Secrets, by implication, the word means something treasured. So there's concealed, treasured things. But he said there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. It means to make known by teaching, one expositor said. To make known by teaching. In other words, I'm learning the word of God in my life. 
This is how the revelation comes. It means manifestly declared or exposed. And there's no secret that will not come to light, Jesus said. That word means to be plainly recognized, made apparent, made known. So as a child of God and a lover of the word, we've got the promise of God that any hidden treasures, God's not going to keep them hid from you. They will come to light. They will be manifested. You know, I remember uh, teaching, I don't know, a couple years ago, three years ago in the school of ministry. And I made reference to John 8, 31. It's a great thing when you are teaching something and you get a revelation right in the middle of it. And I was teaching about how he said in verse 31 of John 8, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciple indeed. Verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. He said, continue in the word and you shall know. And I was doing a word study in preparation for that teaching and the word know means to fully understand. If I continue in the word, the promise of God is I will fully understand what I'm reading. And when I do, I will get the truth and the truth because I don't have to make it work. It works by itself. But if I'll continue in it, God promised I will know it, I will get the understanding, and when I get the understanding, it will make me free. And everybody always goes to church wants to be free. We ought to want to be free. It's the will of God for you to be free. But right here, Jesus is telling us, stay in the book. If you stay in the book, you're gonna get it. It may take you a minute, but you're gonna get it. And when you get it, it's going to make you free. Verse 36 said, whom the Son sets free is free for real. He's free. Why? Because it's truth. John 17, 17, he said, thy word is truth. Psalm 119 and 160 said, from the beginning, your word is truth. So what he's teaching us here, there's hidden treasures that God promised to reveal in his word, but now listen to what he said. If anybody has ears to hear, let him hear. It's interesting, the word ears literally means the ear or perceiving with the mind or again, understanding and knowing. It's not just listening, it's getting it. If anybody has a hearing ear, and again, it's that Greek word, not deaf, to learn by hearing, to consider, what's been said, then let him hear. I have to have a hearing ear. I gotta pay attention to the word of God. I've got to feast on the word of God. I gotta hide it in my heart. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And take heed, he said, what you hear. Pay attention to what, listen, we gotta pay attention to what we're feeding on. Take heed, pay attention Perceive and regard what you hear and take heed how you measure it. For with what measure you use, he said, it will be measured to you. Now, 
You know, I can remember when I first started studying this, the word measure here is an instrument for measuring or a vessel for, re- hmm, a vessel for receiving and determining the quantity of something. Now, how blessed of God do you want to be? Do you want a little dabble, do you? Or do you want the mother load? Do you want to measure with a thimble? Or do you want to go out somewhere and get a dump truck? Because with whatever measure you use, this is what he said. I don't have to make it work. It'll work by itself. But I've got to pay attention to how I hear, and I've got to pay attention to how I measure. Listen, you measure everything you listen to. I've got to pay attention to how I measure it because how I measure it is going to be measured back to me. Hmm. And to you who hear, to you who are not deaf and learn by hearing to consider what's been said, more will be given. It's not because even though I'm God's favorite, but so are you, because he's that way. But it's not because somebody's born under a lucky star if they're blessed of God. It's what they have done with this seed that is forever settled in heaven that works by itself. And so he said, if I will, if I will do this, then I will be given more. The word, the word means to receive additionally. And is there times that anybody in this room thinks, man, I don't know if I can stand to be blessed much more. Is there anybody just walked around sometime in your life during a season of your life and you thought if I was blessed anymore, I'd get raptured. But most of the time, we'd probably testify we could use a little bit more. Well, this, listen to what he's saying. And verse 25 says this, he that has, to him more will be given. I read that and that didn't make sense to me. But long ago when I began to study that, the word has here, the Greek word means to have and to hold. It means to hold to a thing or to cling to something. The one that is clinging to the seed, the word of God. Then he said, more will be given. You want to be a blessed, be a lover of the word of God. Believe it on purpose. Don't let stuff come in your life that's going to challenge the word of God. It's going to make you wonder about it. Keep the environment healthy because he that clings to it, Jesus said, more will be given. Ah, but whoever does not have, same word, whoever does not cling to it, whoever does not have and hold it, even what he has will be taken away from him. I didn't make this up. I didn't come up with that. That's what, that's what Jesus said. And so as a child of God, I've got to somehow in my life get hold of the import of what I do with the word. And lastly, real quick, he said the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed and should sleep night and day. What's he doing? He's just doing life. 
He's scattering seed. He's going about his life. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. But the earth yields crops by itself. The blade, the head, and the full grain. And when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle. The kingdom of God is about scattering seed, and the seed is the word of God. And the promise is it will sprout and grow. You may not be able to explain fully to somebody how that works, but it does. And the harvest comes and you put in the sickle. But that wasn't the end of the story. Now, same day, they had the morning service, they had the afternoon breaking it down, and now the same night, Jesus gives them a test. And he said, let's go to the other side. What's he doing? He's scattering seed. He didn't say, let's go out and drown in the sea. He didn't say, let's go out and capsize. He said, let's go to the other side. And they all got in the boat and was happy, and a storm came. And these same guys that was with him all day long having this broken down to them, they went and woke him up and said, Master, we're dying and you don't care. Jesus gets up and says, why are you so fearful and how is it you have no faith? And he rebuked the wind and the wave and there came a calm on the sea. Embodied in those verses, we find ourselves. We come to church, we hear the word of God. It's broken down. We we choose what we do with it. And then in the end, in real life, when the Lord wants us to start fleshing out and walking out his truth, we got to decide. Is he going to say to us, why are you so fearful and why don't you have faith? Stand up with me, please, everybody. Now, I know this is a, I know this is a little bit different, but I am telling you, and this is my heart. In the days ahead, what is coming on the face of the earth You're going to have to have something to stand on when so many things begin to crumble. And this holy word that is forever settled in heaven, the seed that the sower sowed, works all by itself. Speak it over your children. David said, I'm young and now I'm old. Now I... I, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. 